I would just like to apologize for setting my cell phone too close to the microphone during this recording. Please ignore the little beeps and blurps and what have you. Thank you. Well, after about a 10-month hiatus, I've come back and um, in the last 10 months I've written a book um, done a lot of work a lot of family stuff I got married longtime girlfriend uh, things have changed quite a bit you know? but things are things are going pretty well um, right now uh, what we're all facing is this coronavirus the deadly bug that is shutting down the planet. <clears throat> and as this is coming about, this idea that I've that I've figured out, and I talked about in the book, and I'm not I'm not trying to sell the book. Matter of fact, you can get it for free. I'm giving it away uh, to as many people as I can get to read it. Um, you go to heartpyramid.com. Uh, but this, there's this concept that God is love. And trying to take and develop that because I think for many people it just seems like a, it's, it's a strange idea that God literally is love. Um, but that takes, a, that takes an in-depth understanding of what, of what love really is. Um, if you... If you Think of love as as a spirit or as a uh, just a place where you come from on the inside. Uh, your motives, your intentions, your desires. Uh, and if you can come from a place of love and you start to see the world in a in a loving way, like through the eyes of God, as as one might say. That that's that's like the awakening, that's that's the rebirth, that's the being born again. Is when we wake up to that and recognize this world around us with love, and we we start to one of the one of the most profound thing that that happens is we start to recognize the world uh, through a lens without a material numerical value. Um, in our society we we're taught from from birth really you know especially in American culture that uh, you know we we grow up in it because we've allowed it to become such a presence and such a dominating force in our culture that it's just like status quo. It's like second nature. We just don't even think about it. This is how we are. It's part of us. The numbers and the government and the, the systems and the, you know, that's who we are. As Americans, 
And one of the one of the things I mentioned in the in the book is the uh, the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is just numbers. The book was written in Roman times, and most assuredly, uh, the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation would have been, uh, you know, written in Roman numbers, right? Some people say it's the, you know, Emperor Nero, um, a, a kind of a reference to him. And I think that might be a double entendre, but but to recognize and, and take that with some weight that numbers really is the mark of the beast. And it starts to make sense. When this spirit gets in us where we just love one another, then uh, we start, we, we stop looking at things through, you know, based on new, on their numerical value. And I, I'm not saying that numbers are evil, um, but numbers are a tool. We've got to we've got to put numbers down. We can take it down a notch on on how important these things are. Uh, because when when we live in such a way that those you know numbers, money, uh, taxes, uh, laws. Um, you know, all these things take precedence over just loving one another. Just looking at one another with love. We have all these rules and structures and, and everything because, because people are, uh, we, we are inherently um, selfish, demanding. You know, we're fearful and distrusting of one another. But I think culturally we allow it and in a sense basically perpetuate that by continuing to rely on these, uh, you know, these human contrived systems as, as authority. When we, when we choose to place love as our authority, all of a sudden we don't need police coming after us. We don't need uh, the law telling us what to do. We don't need the church saying this is what your morality has to be because we know inherently we just treat each other right. But it has to be intentional. It, it, we don't do that by, uh, you know, we all, we're, we're all flawed. We're all imperfect human beings, me included. we we struggle with the temptations of the world and we've we've kind of grown to this where this like uh secularism equals evil and that's sinful and uh, but it that's not that's not really it i mean in in a way those things kind of they are but it but it's not it you know it's not having money in and of itself that's a bad thing. Money's a, money's a powerful tool. You mean uh, the economy runs on it, and I, you know, and I get all that, but, but we really could carry on 
our society without money. Well, how would we do that? People got to work. Well, that's, that's the thing. People would still work. They just work where they're best suited. Uh, you know, you could go, uh, you know, do something you're good at as opposed to being stuck in a dead-end job that you hate just in order to survive. Well, what kind of society is this? That money is our God rather than just loving one another. You know, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and so, so, but we have to look at that through the lens of what Jesus was actually trying to say, that this spirit of love that comes from within, Jesus never said God was somewhere out there. He always talked about God being within. And the Romans came up with that idea that God's out there somewhere and, and we're in charge of telling you what God's saying. You see how that worked? Like all of a sudden they've positioned, you know, the Roman government with their money and their power and their authority and <clears throat> their systems and and so on. They <clears throat> they they took over the Christian narrative by by tweaking it just a little bit. And they kept his teachings, but they just kind of twisted a little thing here and there. Like, you know, some people get offended with the idea that, that Jesus actually didn't return back to life. Um, me, I'm a pragmatist. I've, um, I just changed the name of this show thing to Pragmatic Faith. It seems implausible <clears throat> to me. It's, it's hard to deny science. Uh, I don't want to look in the face of truth and go, that's not real. <laughs> you know, then I'm kidding myself. A, a very wise person once said to me, when you lie, you're only lying to yourself. And that's true. If, you know, for me to say, I believe that Jesus came back from the dead and he got taken up into another dimension and he's going to come back for us. Uh, you know, as, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a never say never kind of person. <laughs> uh, strange things have happened. Uh, but but to me it's it doesn't what, what Jesus was teaching it, it doesn't rely on that. Um, it doesn't rely on that. What Jesus was talking about and, and this is what lives forever. What lives forever is what he was teaching. And that's what he said. You need to find the living God. The heaven that's in front of your eyes that you just can't see. Because our minds are so wrapped up in this worldly stuff. We're so consumed mentally with 
our culture and what we have to do in our schedule and the bills we got to pay and what do the kids got to do this week and oh my god the car just broke down all these things oh let me gotta gotta watch the news oh let me let me check facebook well i'm guilty i'm i'm guilty but what jesus was saying is when we have to let go we we let that become our god and the you know media people who are profiting from it just want you to do it more like a carnival salesman they're selling distraction and they're basically enslaving people to a way of life just like the romans did just like the egyptians did um only now it's you know rather than being forced into slavery well we kind of are in a way but they make it sound like oh but it's good for you this is great you know they promise all kind of you know wealth and prosperity and this is going to be wonderful for you right and i mean it's not that such a bad life really especially in america um you know even the poor do relatively well but people still suffer People still die. People still are, are neglected, abused, cry, you know, terrible things happen here. The, you know, who is it? Garth Brooks, wherever you go, there you are. That's a, a absolutely, that's fundamental truth. But the kingdom of heaven, imagine a world where people all caught on to this idea that if I just love my neighbor and they do the same, we, we, you know, we live in a bubble here on this planet Earth floating out in the middle of space. If every one of us is just intentionally loving to the people around them, then everyone's at peace. Everyone's provided for everyone is cared for everyone fits in where they best belong you know it if that happens then all that all that industry and high finance and power and control goes away it goes away and that's what uh, powerful forces are trying to prevent from happening. And I don't mean that in a conspiratorial way. Uh, there, are, there are probably a handful of people across the globe that actually are keenly aware of this and actively trying to stop it. Um, but the vast majority of people that are just going along, they're just part of the game. Literally part of this gigantic game that's all imaginary in our minds i mean at this point there's not even enough there's not enough stuff on the face of the planet to account for all the imaginary numbers we get out there we're calling money but you know a trillion has a lot of zeros and the united states where well a trillion dollars here and a trillion dollars there what does that even mean? People, don't, I mean, that's so much money 
You can't keep track of it all. Nobody could keep track of it all. The Office of Management and Budget. Yeah, that, man. But what, you know, look at what the, the heartache and the difficulty and the strife and the obstacles and the, the pain and the torment. And look how, you know, look how the folks up there are treating each other and trying to get over on one another and hoarding from one another and trying to be on top and be in control and I want to be the best and I want to be in charge. It's a self-perpetuating thing. It's the beast. Its mark is numbers. It has many heads. It is, uh, it, it promises great things and wonderful futures if we just follow along with it. And it's so seductive. And yeah, I think it just might, you know, the devil, devil, what have you, there's not some evil, evil being out there creeping the planet, coming to get you from under your bed. I had some Sunday school teacher at my son's church, you know, where we go to church, some Sunday school teacher told my son, had my son scared to death that there was this devil going to come out and get him while he's asleep. I'm like, uh, I, I had to, I had to put the kibosh on that. I'm like, no, son, no. It, there is the devil. It, it's a, it's a symbol. It, it means the bad part of people. So you, you got to understand the Bible is written in metaphors. I, I, I looked it up the other day. Um, in the English language, there's something like 170,000 uh, current words in the English language. In, in the Aramaic and or in the you know the Hebrew and the Coptic and the Greek, it, around two thousand years ago, there were about eight thousand total words in the Hebrew language, which was very uh, you know kind of spawn sprung from in and around Aramaic, which is what Jesus spoke. So I'm just I'm just kind of guesstimating, but eight thousand words total. Uh, to be used for what he was trying to say. And then what other people, you know, then only wrote down. So you try, you know, I try to get in the mind of God and you got a mind of Jesus and try to understand where he was, what it was like, uh, what would he be trying to say, you know, from these words. Because assuming there's got to be some kind of truth to it. There must be. I'm a pragmatist. This kind of thing doesn't stick around this long for no reason. There's something in it, and I, I, I what I, you know, and I'm figuring out what it is. It's, it's, and it's so simple. You know, it's it's akin to sort of Buddhist philosophy or Zen, or you know, there's there's like elements of it in every religion, and that's the thing. There is a truth that courses through everything that we're doing. And, and that truth is we have a choice at any given moment to be kind and loving, intentionally enlightened person. Like Jesus said, my burden is easy. Yeah. 
my yoke is my yoke is easy my burden is light he's this is this way you don't you don't shoulder all that crap we have options people god is love Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Join the discussion at pragmatic.faith. And don't forget to tell a friend. Thank you.